to his left and he's on his way. 10, 9, 5, 3, cut down. Wonderful try. We have a mole, Jim. Digs like a demented mole there. He just bust through the defence. Just watch this. Spillane doubles beautifully. In go the Irish forwards. This is Lenahan. Bursting into the 22. Back to Bradley. Back to Kiernan. The drop of goal is over. Michael Kiernan has done it. Good evening and welcome to the Molecast. Good evening. Good evening. This is the worst Molecast ever. But <laughs> <laughs> well, we said we'd do it. Uh, we also said we made wildly inaccurate predictions, and I would like to point out how wrong we were. Truly, I mean, I think I promised. I was the most confident of a Leinster victory, and uh, I think right until the moment that the I saw the replay of the touchdown, I kept on thinking it's just one turnover away here from a victory. But mm. um, unfortunately, it wasn't to be. Now, as we were reviewing it, you said. La Rochelle are the better team. They dominated possession and they took their chances. Yeah, I said La Rochelle the better team on the day. Um, yes, yeah. And they were the better team on the day. Um, they they forced Leinster to make attempt something like 240 tackles. Um, most of which Leinster made. I think Leinster made 224 out of 240. And La Rochelle made... I think they had to make 95. They were asked to make 95 in total, and they made something like 87. Like this huge disparity in tackling. Now, obviously, there's this, this period at the end where Leinster are making like, <laughs> you know, I would say like 12 or 13 tackles per minute, maybe maybe even more than that, with uh, repeated carries from La Rochelle. But throughout the game, La Rochelle dominated possession and used the ball better. Um, use the ball, when I say better, they use it with more verve and they use it more effectively. Um, and like, I'm not, like, I think the, the three tries to nil uh, tells a story while not being super important because the only thing that's important is a fine, in a final is that you win. Um, so it tells a story in that they were sharper and that they took more chances uh, they, they, when I say they took more chances, they made more chances and then took chances. And it's a hell of a kick in the balls to lose with the last play of the game. Um, and if, if I was just thinking back to the, the 2012 victory, one of the few times that Leinster have won a, a knockout game in France, where Gordon Darcy gets a hit on Fofana late and Fofana drops the ball maybe six inches from a try, like he's over the he's over the try line, he's touching down, just falls out of his hands. He goes, and that is the difference between that going down as you know one of Leinster's greatest ever wins and like oh, a semi final loss. And Retier holding on to the ball when he slipped over and reached for the line is the difference between like an amazing Leinster defensive effort. Now I, I know they're on a penalty advantage, but let's just bear with me. And like Leinster can't can't beat these big French teams. Um, so I think that the Leinster can't beat the big French teams. Like it's like, I'm always reminded of, of a great John Madden quote, which 
when I say reminded of it, I'm not reminded of that clearly. I can't exactly remember. <laughs> I can paraphrase it though. He goes, they say you can't win the big one, you know, and he goes, they always call the ones you don't win the big one. What about all the big games you win on the way to get to the big game? Like Leinster can't be struggle against these big French packs. Just played a massive French pack in, in Toulouse, a huge pack. And it's the same in, in the 2019 uh, semi-final, beat it a huge Toulouse pack. Back then, their second rows were Arnold and, and um, or Joe DeCorey was on the, Joe DeCorey's on the open side in that game, I think. But uh, Arnold and Richie Gray, and this time it was Arnold and Mayafu. Uh, you know, these are, this is, and Reinhard Elstadt to Corey, like a huge pack. You beat them and the reigning European champions and like, that's a big French team, literally big, physically big. Leicester, top of the premiership. Yeah. Big. Knocking out in the previous season, knocking out Exeter, then Heineken Cup champions at the time on their home patch, you know, with Johnny Gray and uh, Hill. And Hill and a big number six, not Armand, but the other, Dave Ewers. Yeah. Like another physically big team. So it's just, I think, I think like this game, I think that Leinster did a, a better job than the previous game against La Rochelle. I think that Leinster uh, out out La Rochelle, which I wouldn't have expected that could ever happen. But in terms of the amount of ground they made off their mall, the amount of penalties they forced La Rochelle to concede off the mall, that was a big plus for Leinster. I felt that they managed the La Rochelle scrum, which is a much bigger, more powerful scrum than Leinster have. And I'm not saying they came out on top, but they managed to... Uh, like they mitigated their their damage really successfully. Mitigate has really become the verb of uh, this season's mental mode. I've just mitigated the <laughs> shit out of stuff at the moment. Um, and then I felt that they did a better job on like La Rochelle's two biggest and most powerful players. Like I felt that Skelton had a, like a huge game as usual, like but not anything like the biggest impact that he had in last season's semi final. And again, Antonio. A difficult player to play against. Felt that he they managed him well, but there's other elements of the game that Leinster didn't manage as well. The, the, there's a few, even even in that piece. There's so much in this match. Like it was, um, what did I say? Styles make fights. Yeah, isn't that the phrase? Um, so about the number of tackles that Leinster made compared to the number of tackles that La Rochelle made, they defended completely differently. Leinster didn't attack a breakdown practically all day. They, 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 I'm going to say they just, they fanned out in the line and they trusted their tackle technique and um, it kind of worked. Like there was one phase of play where La Rochelle were attacking and um, they went, like they were in the Leinster 22, they were maybe 10 metres from the line, and they went through numerous phases, and they just went backwards. Like they mm. kept the ball, but they went backwards 40 metres. They ended up in their own half. Um, obviously, La Rochelle scored with their first attack of the game, so like didn't work that well. Um, and then in terms of Leinster attacking them all, re-watching it, I... Was struck by like La Rochelle didn't really plan to defend them all. Yeah, they didn't care. La Rochelle had two things to do in defence, and they did them brilliantly. Contest every breakdown that went to the ground, like go for the steal, but definitely just go for the turnover. Just make make Leinster's ball slow. Do not give Leinster good quality quick ball, and blitz Sexton. Mm. So 
like do those two things. Like if so, the best thing for them is to get a penalty or turn over the ball at the breakdown. The next best then is to make it slow for Gibson Park, make it awkward. And once those two things have come to pass, blitz Sexton wherever he is. Yeah. So even if he's like if he's out the back. And more so, actually, if he's at the back, when he's at the back. Yeah. There was one stage in the, at the beginning of the second half when Leinster decided to change something because I was thinking after, it's like, Jesus, why don't why didn't they change anything? And Sexton had been at the back a lot and had just been blitzed. And guys, like the shooter was running up to, to cut out the wide pass from Sexton and they were flooding onto him. So Sexton took the ball in the front line. And then he gave the ball out to James Lowe, and it was the one that James Lowe put through the chip kick. And um, was it Jimmy La Rochelle, Like La Rochelle ended up giving away a penalty from that, and they it was it was the one where Rule came across to cover, and I think it was Jimmy or Hugo. I can't remember if it was Jimmy or Hugo kicked the ball into him, yeah. and it, it bounced off Rule, and Leinster got yeah. the line out, went through numerous phases, uh, got like you know. Pick and jam, pick and jam, got a penalty, banged it over. And that came from Sexton being in the front and, and just doing something different. So, but like La Rochelle knew what Leinster wanted to do. Like they knew what Leinster's game was and they just went after it. Mm. Uh, and we're saying before how writing down the notes after the Toulouse match, I had a ball focused defense and we're kind of going like, like what does that what does that mean and I, I, my interpretation now is it it means uh blitzing basically yeah. like it means just going after going after the ball all the time like making life awkward for the ball and taking a chance because we're, we're talking about like how Leinster got past them they didn't get past them very often, but there was one time where in the first half, Lowe came in from his from his his wing and got on, you know, he got in close to Sexton and he made a short run and they tackled him. But he, he it I don't know whether he offloaded it purposely. I think he did offload it purposely to Sexton looping around, but it was mm-hmm. almost like he got the ball knocked out of his hand. But Sexton looped around and uh, they got the ball out to Jimmy. And Jimmy kicked it over the top and, and Leinster put them under pressure. And then there was another one in maybe the end of the first half where a mall, Leinster won a mall. Like La Rochelle weren't that bothered defending it. Mm-hmm. They just got like, you know, what damage is, is going to come of this? And Sheen came off the back and then did a little pass out the back. Oh, of his yeah, hands yeah, yeah, yeah. Again to Jimmy. And Rule had shot up, like just going, just, just get on the ball, attack this guy. He wasn't expecting the little pass out the back from the replacement hooker. And again, Jimmy scooted. And you're going, if Leinster were able to offload more, um, they would have caused La Rochelle real problems. So, like, I actually, like, I keep notes when I get to watch the matches back. And one of the things I'd written down, and I just copied the template from that, is defences like the ball on the ground to slow down and regroup. As an attacking unit, we should work to create the opposite. And I read this and I went, Jesus. It was like it was, it was, it was written for this match. Yeah. But the reality of it is that there's only a few sort of things you can you can do in a rugby match. And like that that's one of the principles. And I think I think that came from Stuart Lancaster. I think it was Lancaster was being interviewed and he was talking about like, you know, when you've coached defense, you think of it this way. So then when you're coaching attack, it really benefits you from having been a defense coach because you're going, well, like, you know, what did I hate defending against? Um but like 
I don't know, like obviously it just worked better for La Rochelle yeah. on the day. Well, I felt as well that La Rochelle were so were really aggressive in not just like getting to Sexton, but also filling the space where we were passing in behind the players. We because like, mm. we played an awful lot of that's the, back the blitz. So that's Luz. the blitz yeah. that I was talking about. Yeah. Flash. So that they actually fill that space really deep in the backfield. Like they charge up and, and up and up and up and up from the you yeah. know thirteen out, and you're going. So the so how do you play against that? And you're going. You play the sort of game that we played against them last year. <laughs> you know that you play more like inside balls or you play the, that the screen gets the ball the front screen yeah yeah so i think uh we were both saying be uh after the match like all the stuff saying rog did a great job is right rog, rog did do brilliant. a good job rog was rog 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 was the star yeah of that weekend and he probably thinks so himself now he'd, he'd never <laughs> say it but like he he must be pleased like he, he couldn't have done better um, so talking about that front ball, like there was, there was a pass to Doris and it, I don't know if, it, I think it was Porter actually ended up knocking it on. It was difficult to know exactly who knocked it on, but it was again in the first half and Raj put the ball in behind Doris and Doris knocked it back to somebody. Yeah, to Josh or something. And yeah. then it ended up going to Porter and he kind of knocked it on, but then he regathered and you're just like, kind of something definitely happened there. But I don't know who did it. Mm-hmm. But again, you're sort of going if, like, if that pass goes to Doris, properly where he wants it, he's through. He's the front man. Like he's he's going to break that tackle and he's he's going to scamper away. Um, so I have to say, in that in the duel, and again going back to Rod, Rod is a big man for the duel. I thought Sexton had a poor game. Oh, he did. Not a terrible game by any means. Like, but. And for Com- a guy who's been majestic yeah, at times. Compared to his quarterfinal and semi-final, uh, it was unfortunately uh, like a, a step a step below what he'd been producing. He was imperious in the in the uh, semi-final. I've rarely seen a, a better out half performance in the European Cup uh, of, of any year. And you know, for the first half against Leicester, he was just as good. And it, and this in this one didn't like there was a couple of things Jameson Gibson Park wasn't wasn't as good either and Jameson was under a lot of pressure one of the things that there was one very clear cut episode of Aldrich in the ruck banging down on his arm to uh very close to their line we were on a penalty advantage it was right at the end of the first half to dislodge the ball but it also happened a number of other times in that I, the, the ruck ball was was slower and we weren't able to clear those guys out. They were still able to to malinger around, both Skelton and Aldred, especially, and Bugarit. And they're able to get their hands on um, on uh, Gibson Park's arms. So a good spoiling tactic. They're, they're, not, they're in no danger of giving away a, an intentional knock-on because they're, they're doing like an American football-style tomahawk, trying to bang down on the forearm. Um, but some of the James and Gibson Park's passing to Sexton was like rear out. Back shoulder throws and uh, and then some of Sexton's passing out was quite back shoulder as well. Yeah, I I thought Gibbo was good in in places like his his chasing was still really good and he got a few clearance kicks which oh, were excellent. Yeah, and like a lot of Kiwi scrum halves who come to Ireland, they come over to learn how to kick. Um, and he did as well. And oh yeah, but that's yeah, that's yeah, <laughs> that's I, I the joke. That. Uh, <laughs> and. It, it was, it was excellent. Um, so it's, 
what was a weakness to his game, but it's like the work that he'd put in had completely over... Uh, Jesus, like I'm tempting fate here, but like it, it wasn't like he had these cracks and he papered over them, but under pressure, they were stressed. Mm. It was, no, no, he's, he's really worked and it's really got much better. Um, whereas with Sexton, I felt that his, his line kicking in particular... So there was a few things. When Leinster had penalties, on the right-hand side, Sexton would take them. And they were often rubbish. Like, they were 20 metres, 25 metres. And I, I was looking at it going, Jesus, like, if I had three goes, I could get one of those further. Now, like, then, then he's kicking those. And maybe I couldn't, like, but... You know, no stick. You, stick with what you said. You, Have yeah. some confidence in yourself. I think I, I think I could. Like I could probably get two of them. Very um, conservative, some of them. Really conservative. And I was scratching my head, going, "How come Leinster have such a good kicking game in broken field?" And we're complimenting them against Munster, complimenting them against T- Toulouse. How come they don't bring James Lowe over to kick with his left foot on the right hand touchline? Mm-hmm. And yeah, again, like just, just going through, like there's nothing new in rugby. Like under 15 teams do that. Draw the comparison though with there uh, with Bruce Dulans and then Kagan. I thought that O'Gara had made the point that like, look, we might be beaten, but we're not going to lose. And I was really struck by how bullish he was. And thinking afterwards, I was there going, "Jesus, like it's it's Joe Namath here." You know, like the 12 point underdogs going, "I guarantee you, we will win." <laughs> and you're just like, "Who doesn't?" Love Joe Willie Namath. Like in NFL lives or something like that, I think most of them are either half an hour or an hour. His was a two hour special. <laughs> and it was worth every minute. Like he's like you're just going, Broadway Joe. And you're kind of like you read about Broadway Joe and then you see the footage when you're a bit older and you go, Jesus, the man had charisma. Like yeah. He, he was he Magnet. just exuded. And like in a city like New York, it wasn't like, oh, you know, he's, he, he won it for Kansas. And he's like, only been three Super Bowls. Like, this is a big deal. But like, he, he won it for New York. And I thought, geez, like, O'Gara is really talking the talk here. Like, he's really confident. And what he just managed to get over to La Rochelle that, you know what, we're, we're going to go for it. Mm-hmm. Just, we're going to swing for the fences. And if it doesn't work out, doesn't work out. And like it was, it was a, it was a risk taker's mindset. It was a gambler's mindset. But he was going like, the prize here is big. We're we're going to suffer death by a thousand cuts. So Doolan just gets up in the middle of the park and bangs it into the corner, so close that you're going. If he's not in front of twenty thousand Frenchmen at the end, at that end, this is this could be dead. Yeah, this could be going back for the halfway line. But he is. So this has gone that side of the corner flag. And it, like, it was so high up that you couldn't see it. And nobody was replaying it because no. it was in France. And you're just kind of going, yeah, such of a, course. You know, such just, a sweet strike. Like it just, the ball explodes off the bat. And it's, it's like, it's just one of those many things that you go, it's the Napoleon phrase. Like I love lucky generals. And you kind of go, Jesus, like there was a few things that went for Toulouse. But it's also the Jerry thing. Like it's, Oh, sorry, La Rochelle. It's it's the ebb and flow of psychic energy that, at some stage, like when you're lucky, everything goes for you. And I don't want to make it sound like it was all luck for La Rochelle. They were really good. They had a really good plan, and it wasn't just bluster from O'Gara. Mm-hmm. Like he really came. But we get to that. But I was looking at it going, "Holy God!" Like he's 
his players are swinging for the fences and, and they're getting them. Yeah. Compared to Leinster's crappy kicks where you're going, like, well, you're, I, letting, you're letting La Rochelle off here. Yeah. Like, if you get put back 50 metres rather than 20 metres, it's, it's a different game. You're going, every time you give away a penalty, we're being punished for it. Whereas you, you're sort of going, do you know what, if we give away a penalty here, like, so what? We're, we're still outside the 22. We're still in no man's yeah. land. Like, it, it, we're in the demilitarised zone. It, like, it doesn't matter. But I was saying to you before that Raj... Um, he found himself in a good position, despite the fact that La Rochelle beat Leinster quite clearly last year in the semi-final. As we were saying, like it was, it finished up 32-23, but Leinster got a score. Ross Byrne scored a try in like the 78th minute. Like at one stage, very close to the end, it was the 32-16. So despite the fact that La Rochelle had beaten Leinster last year, and despite the fact that they had about 35,000 fans in the stadium, and despite the fact it's a two-horse race, they find themselves as normally like 10 to 12-point underdogs. You're going, like, it's a nice place to swing from the fences when everyone else is going, oh, this is a Leinster coronation. Like, it's it's a great place to attack from. You have nothing to lose. And we were, I, I was chatting about this with somebody in work, and so anyway, I, I was saying from a coaching performance then, or I, I was thinking to myself to a coaching performance, that tactically Raj did it brilliantly. But also when I was looking back, I was there going, this is like a Metro team. This is like, what do we do in this part of the pitch? We're going to play our back row move here. Mm-hmm. They had a, they had a, they had a line out where Bougarie went around the front. The front, yeah. And it worked really well. He nearly scored. He didn't. But I was there going, Jesus, it's our move that we're going to do around the front of the line out. What's this one called? It's called like Jumbo or... <laughs> Zimbabwe or Jumanji or like you know it's a Jumanji ball you know you'd have to do it behind your hand now and in the social media age but it was it was like you're old oh yeah with the tick and the tack but that that's what it was it was yeah it was, and and it wasn't just that basic but like they they played a back row move like an eight nine fifteen or eight nine ten back row move to make the ball go wide. And they were just going to, we're going to go wide, we're going to go wide, we're going to, you know, we're going to bang it up the middle with Antonio and Skelton. They're not going to have to run that far, you know. And then we can just go wide off those guys yeah, again. Or else we'll give gonna, it to Aldred versus anybody. And we're going to put Lades and Rule beside each other. And, and attack Jimmy O'Brien. And everybody on La Rochelle knew what they were doing. So, like, somebody asked me, like, oh yeah, here, like, you know, you got a tactics right. But like, but like, what is, like, is it is it not just what happens? Like you just go out and you play your game, and like there's only so many things. Like you go for your turnovers, and I was thinking, shit, like he has a point. And then I was there going, no, no, no. If you're coaching a team, I don't know. All oh, these guys are pros. You're there going, is he listening to me? Like, does the winger know what the props trying to do here? Does like does the second row understand what the second center? Like, mm-hmm. does he know his name? Does he really know his name? Is he just calling him by his nickname? Like, th- there's a lot of minds going on. In a in a twenty three man squad, you you don't know what's you don't know where all of them are, but La Rochelle knew exactly what they were going to do. And again, like I'm, I don't want to make it sound simplistic, but that like they were all so clued in, they all knew exactly what everybody's role was. They were really really prepared, and they were crap against Racing. Yeah. But do you think Racing was just another week for them that they had to go out and play a big match against another French team in Lens 
like where nobody wants to go. Um, and they didn't. But when it's a big day out for the club, they'll all go down and they had two weeks and it was like, when we're here on the pitch, we're playing this move. When we're here, we're playing this move. I want all you guys to do it. And they're just doing that for two weeks solid going, this is the game we have to play in order to play against these guys. And it worked. Because they did these two... Like, one of the things which was when they went to Dante, Dante tried to find Sexton and run at him. Mm. And, like, which again is, is like, run at Joey. You yeah. know? Uh, but then the other one was, like, so often they threw, like, a huge... Uh, IIOS through, like, a big skip pass. I was like, let's just get the ball wide. And a get lot of times, wide. like... You know, not a lot of times. A couple of times, at least, the ball just went on the ground. You know, and you could see another one in the first half, like... Dante got the ball and he's there going, well, I'm just going to offload it. Again, ball goes on the ground. Dante threw one into, into bounced into touch. And you're going, they were trying to do something that didn't always come off. Like, they didn't have to play, like, the perfect game. But you could see, like, this is what we want to do. We want to, we want to get the ball really wide. They want to attack down Jimmy O'Brien's wing. And, like, for the first one, there was a miscommunication slash error slash good play from Dylan Leeds to get the ball away between, like, not really in the tackle, but between Furlong and Jimmy O'Brien. After that, Jimmy O'Brien defended really, really well. I don't... Yeah. I think they just wanted to go wide. I, I don't think it was Jimmy necessarily. I think they were going, Leinster defend narrowly. Yeah, but James Lowe hardly had to make any tackles. And Jimmy had to make, like, 11. But they did go to James Lowe's wing. They, yeah. they attacked on both wings. Like mm. they, they went wide and then they went wide, and maybe it was the fact that they were going wide, going out to well, those wings. the difference between left to right passing and right wide. to left passing. Yeah, big time, big time. The, uh, <clears throat> all of which is to say that this is a one-score game, score in the you know, last minute, uh, and it all could have been a lot different had it not been for... Well, to sort of, uh, I guess, go against the narrative that, like, o O'Gara, whatever, had this master plan. It's so that, like, Aldrich, Bougarish, and uh, the other fellows at the breakdown, Prizo, are just, yeah. like, Daw had absolutely phenomenal games. And then, like, Leinster are the ball bouncing into Jimmy O'Brien's legs rather than just bouncing out, like, the way it looked like it was going and having a scrum back near the halfway line. Where Johnny Sexton decided to kick the ball, where Hugh Heen decided to kick the ball away from, like, not basically camping into 10 minutes of slow torture. Yeah, there were a couple of unfortunate bounces for Leinster. One was that the one that you mentioned there of the ball rolling away from Jimmy O'Brien, and then the last bounce bounces straight up into his knees and goes over for that goal line dropout. The other one is, you know, Directly after that, essentially, Bryce Doolan's uh, attempted drop goal just takes a huge hop back infield. Yeah. The end of the in-goal area into into play. Yeah. Which is like... With Sexton with his back to everyone. He doesn't yeah. know where anybody is. So like some of that shit is just unfortunate. Well, that, I mean, that's what I mean is that like there's a... It's a history is written by the victors kind of narrative, I, I guess. Like you said, if they hadn't, if they hadn't scored the last try, if they had been turned over, and like, let's turn them over, and they get a penalty given against them. Let's oh, turn them over in the scrum, and and they reset the scrum, like two very very tight calls. I'm not saying Leinster deserve to win it or something like that. I'm just saying that 
I would I wouldn't think that I still don't think this I still think this is a blueprint for beating Leinster. Like they also they also gave away five penalties in the first six minutes. They could have had a yellow card in the first six minutes. I, I think you, if Leinster had won, you could argue that Leinster deserved to win it, but you could argue that Leinster deserved to win it on the strength of the season. That they were the best team in Europe and maybe La Rochelle were actually the best team of the day. Like they scored two tries. Like if La Rochelle don't get the last try, La Rochelle scored the two tries in the final. Like and all, all the sort of the what ifs because like Leinster got rotten bounces, rotten. Mm. Like that to, to the extent that you'd look at it, at, at rotten uh, bounces and also made like silly mistakes. I made I made silly and made silly mistakes. So it wasn't all down to breaking ball at all. Like because it's it's never just one thing. Apart from the Saracens final, which was all Luke McGrath's fault <laughs> <laughs> and Will Skelton. So two things, the two things, the two secrets. So. Um, Look, repeating everything you said, the, the narrative had Leinster won would be the seasonal thing. And you were talking about, I don't know, is it short-termism or people forgetting all the obvious stuff about the premiership and discounting Liverpool and, and at the beginning of this season mm. for just kind of going, hey, can you discount these guys? Like when they routinely score over 90 points in recent season and have all the same players. Um, is that whenever I'd see a Leinster front five with Ross Maloney in it in any game, I would go, I don't know if they're going to beat the handicap here. Um, and he had a brilliant match against Toulouse. Mm. But he's still a small, he's still he's just a small second row who's, who's really, really improved his game. But like he, he like all the misgivings you would have about him and about Alan O'Connor and about Fiona and Witcherly, and then they have a really good game. It's, I told you, and I then fucking told you, and, and you, you malignant bollocks. Fiona <laughs> Witcherly is God. <laughs> Never picture God at six foot four playing international second zone, sixteen and a half stone, dripping wet. Um, yeah, the, the, just those chickens come home to roost, and you know you kind of go, look, is he going to be the second row next season? Like, if everyone's fit, is it not going to be Big Joe and Ryan Baird, or is it not going to be Jason? Not Ryan Baird, uh, James Ryan, or Jason Jenkins? Yeah, and, well, you know, like, and, and you're kind of going. Yeah, like more more likely it's going to be one of Jenkins and Big Joe plus James Ryan. Well, that's like, I'm not going to, we can talk about this later because just like Big Kev was, I'm excited. <laughs> uh, and I don't think like Ross Maloney is the winning and the losing of that no, no, he, show, like, he, but... He, he's not. It's, it's... But I'm the same as you. I remember when I started in that. No, point. I'm the same as you. Like, I, um, it's like you look, you look, down the list of of the Leinster team sheet and you're going like you know international like for Porter like selected for the Lions Keller selected for the Lions Tyg Test Line James Ryan Irish captain Ross Maloney uncapped as far you know Keelan Doris player of the autumn internationals like not just Ireland's player of the autumn player of the whole like including the All Blacks including the French players Josh van der Fleer European player of the year Jack Conan uh, Test Line Sex and Test Line, Gibson Park, amazing form, current Irish scrum half. 
Henshaw, you know, I'm sort of wearing this out, like, but you look at you look at it and you go, like the, the two guys who you're going like Jimmy O'Brien uncapped, Ross Maloney uncapped. It's a rarity. It's a rarity in the Leinster team. Like most of the lads, most of the rest of the lads are either Lions or like bolted on Irish internationals like James Ryan, Josh Van der Fleer, Gary Ringrose. Like the, the three of those lads have been the Irupa slash Repipity, XV, <laughs> whatever that <laughs> phrase is. Like they've been Irish, the Europa player of the year within the last four, four years. Like, so you're talking like super, like you're talking with the absolute elite of Irish rugby. And then you have two lads and, and who, are, who haven't been capped yet. Now, Ross Maloney, I think, is still getting better. And when I say that, 28, like, I think Ross Maloney... Yeah, his, his age profile yeah, has improved. really good. Graph is really good. Really good. And Jimmy's had a great season. And I thought Jimmy apart from like the sort of miscommunication or bad decision on the Raymond Rule first try, Jimmy was was really good in that final. Oh, he, he had moments. Like yeah. you know, he made his breaks, he put his chip in, he gets this incredible instinctive kick over the top mm. that puts them under pressure. He does a lot of good things. And I remember where I started with the Ross Maloney point is that had Leinster won, the narrative would be, Jesus, they do so much right that even if they don't play that well or get compromised on the day. Yeah. La Rochelle compromised them. Like we did against... They're uh, still good enough to win. Like we did against Racing, you know, in, in 2018 yeah. final. Like, that was not... I remember that day, like, Chavancy was probably the best the best player on the pitch. That's well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah Teddy. Um Yeah. Um, and... Like I don't, I, I, I don't want it to come across like that I'm picking on these guys because they haven't been capped, but it's a, uh, and I don't think that either of them were were the were the weakness in the team. Like I didn't think we had a particular like I thought. Unfortunately, Hugo had a, like a poor game for him. He's been so good and so consistent all through this season, and and so reliable at fullback and. He just made, like, I was surprised he looked a little bit heavy-legged for when Raymond Rule scooted in for the first try. I fully expected Keenan to make that tackle. And she's going, whoa, beaten, you know? Uh, just, he makes so many great late tackles. Great finish. And it was a great finish. Um, but, like, on, on the, like, I can't emphasize enough, like, and anybody who saw it again, like, the game went to the last play of the game. Leinster were in the lead for a hell of a lot of it. Maybe 70, 72, 73 minutes. There was one period when La Rochelle went 7-6 and then we quite quickly went back to 9-7. And, you know, so maybe there was like six minutes plus the one minute 10 at the end when La Rochelle were in front. Otherwise, Leinster led. One thing that's come up quite a lot in conversation is like, the way that Leinster only scored penalties, and should they have gone for the penalties, or should they have kicked down the line? What what did uh, non? What did you think about their decision making? And I thought there was the, the the worst decision under penalty advantage. I thought was not going wide right. Um, First half, second half, uh, early second half. I think feels like we were talking to the left half. of the screen. Yeah, yeah, um, uh, and we had a penalty advantage, and we. Didn't we didn't try anything? I just think we just got tied up. I can't remember exactly what happened, but there was there seemed to be like a 
I mean, obviously, and then this is the thing where you're saying like throwing left-handed passes are more difficult than mm. for a predominantly right-handed team as you presume they all are. Uh, like they just didn't, and I felt like if they'd gone wide uh, quickly with good passes, they would have. That's where the space was. They 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 very likely team seemed like they could have scored a try. <clears throat> we kicked in, we kicked down the line. I think for one of them when it, when it was like outside the. Ten or outside the tram lines, mm-hmm. narrow on the left hand side. Uh, all the other ones we kicked every other one, um, and I'm just always like, take your points in the final. They were really easy kicks. As yeah, well. they were all. You got to keep all... taking the point, and that, it, that's why I mean, it's the whole like, um, three tries to nil doesn't bother me at all. It's because like they kept on giving away penalties wherever they could, like to stop us from scoring tries, and. They should have had a yellow card a lot sooner than they did, if you ask me. Well, yeah, well, I was I, I, no, I, like, they should have had a yellow card at the start of the second half because they infringed five times in the first six minutes, and their their modus operandi what for like stop and answer when they got into the red zone was commit penalties and penalties and penalties. Like I I, I got a, a copy of the Opta, um, the Opta stat sheet for uh, from uh, somebody that we follow on Twitter and. The uh, it was really interesting. It's a really clear stat sheet. Like Danny Preso was on the pitch for fifty three minutes and conceded five penalties. Like that's a fucking that's a hefty charge sheet, you know. Um, and that was like I I, I don't think it's like whinging or sour grapes to say it. Like that was like I don't know if if La Rochelle was saying to Danny Preso. Sorry, La Rochelle, I called Raj La Rochelle. <laughs> I don't know if Raj is telling Danny Priest to like side entry into fucking malls. I don't think so. I think there was some just bad discipline. But like it was one of the reasons why Leinster had so little ball is that like once Leinster got into the red zone, La Rochelle just gave away a penalty. Like as you say, every single kick that Leinster took was within what I call a kicker's box. You know, within the 15 metre tram lines and the opposition 10 metre lines. So it's like roughly... 40 by 40 box where you're 90% at and yeah seven out of seven kicks you know 20 21 points um and those those every one of those um like when you give away that penalty you know like that's probably going to get kicked over it's, it's even awkward to kick for touch from some of those that you're looking yeah. over and you're there going oh, I, I sort of have to slam this sideways here yeah. because I don't want to get any turn on. I have to like, kick. I have to kick this like thirty. Like I'm five meters out. I have to kick it thirty meters exactly straight, so we can get a five yard line out. You know. Yeah. So like it just it's not that tempting to do. Sexton wouldn't have been able to reach touch. Uh, I know it's. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I don't want to talk any further though without mentioning Greg Aldrich's name because we haven't so far, and like no. we're sort of. There's a fixation with Will Skelton. Uh, the Leinster bogeyman. Yeah. Um, Wait until they see our spicer. And I watched, because you talked about Aldred, and I was like, yeah, yeah, like he's playing for France, and, you know, he's, he's good. He was superb at the weekend. Brilliant. Um, I, I was only re-watching it that I, I noticed that, like, oh, he's wearing a scrum cap, but he's not the only one. And then I saw the other guy was the, the second row. Yeah, LaVault. La <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, LaVault ain't doing those things. <laughs> but Aldrich was brilliant. And brilliant in a way that 
he went in at scrum half twice through two passes, like in the same phase of play, like to keep the ball moving. He knew that they wanted to go wide and then go back back into the middle. And he just threw these passes perfectly. He went, he peeled around the back of the line out, completely squared up, threw a perfect pass. So he had all this sort of finesse and, and skill work. And then in another phase, he absolutely munched James Ryan to slow down ball for Gibbon. Now Leinster were getting it back, but he was just like, I'm smashing him, going to tire him out, and I'm going to make life more difficult. And you're sort of going, the, the guy's enormous, but he's, he's just a really good rugby player. Um, so he's not one of like of these freak show dynamic guys, but he gets the ball and he breaks tackles and he he, he just goes carries makes yards sucks in defenders, doesn't make any mistakes. No, he's brilliant. Uh, he's a really good line out operator. He's a really good defender. He does lots and lots of things really really well and, and a massive and engine. And plays eighty minutes mm. pretty much every single week. And you're looking at it going, you wouldn't swap him. No. I, I thought he was I thought he was the best player on the pitch. Yeah, but Dylan Leeds got uh Heineken star of the match, for which he receives two cans of alcohol free Heineken. Uh but Greg Aldrich receives a full keg of the real stuff. The stuff that they brew and only sell in Amsterdam. Because he was the best player on the pitch, you know, quite conclusively. Even better than Will Skelton, who only drinks children's blood. <laughs> Looking forward, uh, in three different terms, the end of this season for Leinster, next season for Leinster, and our horrible exit to France in the 2023 World <laughs> Cup. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, do you think, do, yeah. you, do you think the, <clears throat> um, I mean, do you think Leinster can lift themselves for the rest of the season? It's funny because Ulster had a heartbreaking loss against uh, Toulouse and Ravenhill, and then they had the chance to right those wrongs against Munster, and they came out super flat. And Munster turned them over relatively easy on a, on a Friday night up in uh, up in Ravenhill. So it can go wrong, you know. Like I would look at Leinster and think that they're playing Glasgow in the RDS Saturday uh, in the quarterfinal. Glasgow have obviously had uh, a week off and, and Leinster's frontliners have had to make like 250 tackles. Um, but on the other hand, there was players who didn't play the full game for Leinster, like Kane Healy, Reese Ruddock, Joe McCarthy, go on. There was a player who didn't play any of the game, didn't kid out. And if I was Leo Cullen... I'd have him in my office. Because I was sort of going like, do you address the whole squad and do you try to rally everybody? Which you have to do. Mm-hmm. Or like or, or is that like is that your strategy? Or do you pick certain players and get them in and choose your words? And do you get the other guys in in units and do you bring your senior players in? My focus personally will be QB one. I would I would bring Harry in and I'd say to him, you have a chance to get yourself on the plane to New Zealand if you go out and play like like a pro. Yeah. Don't do it for Harry Byrne. Do it for the squad. Manage manage this team because your brother stank. In a big match, oh, having had such game. having had such a good season, it just went wrong yeah, for him. Yeah, he had a tough and game. You know what? Johnny had a bad match. 
And, you know, like, Johnny's going to go anyway. You, you have the chance here to catch yourself the last three matches of the season at the knockout end before the squad is picked, you can be the star. I thought you were going to say Larmer there. And, yeah. well, the thing is, and, and Larmer, Larmer's another one. Yeah. But, like, the reason you do it to him as well is, like, QB1 thinks he belongs there. <laughs> and that's, that is huge. He's there going, I'm glad somebody else finally sees this. And he, like, that's enough. Well, it's not enough. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's Ross and Carol Kelly stuff. Like, he could actually do it. Like, he's, he's, oh, fit he's really now. good. Yeah. So, look, it, it's, it, like, had they won the match, they would have gone on the piss for the week. You know what I mean? Like, so, it's, it's, it's a difficult job either way. Yeah. Um, but, of- I, but I, I do think there's, I do think there is the potential in that Leinster squad for, Larmer's another one for some guys. Frawley was on the bench, and you kind of go, why did they pick him on the bench if they weren't going to put him on? Like, does it not make more sense to bring on Larmer in the last 20 mm. minutes to just do something like batshit crazy that you can't defend against? You know, we're, we're going to defend like all of these breakdowns, and now we're playing against this like dancing dervish. That's like, what can you do? Yeah. Um, but like, maybe that wouldn't have worked out at all. Um, but Larmer is another one that could just have a great, like, could have a great game. And there's enough there in Leinster. I think you, it's it, it, it's very difficult for them to pick themselves up, but maybe they get over it much quicker than we give them credit for. Not, like, over, over, but maybe they just sort of go, ah, oh, that was, like, that was the worst match of all time. Um, but you know what, like, now it's Wednesday and, like, we're playing on Saturday. Great. Yeah. Longer term. Oh, longer term, I'm so, so positive about uh, Leinster. And like I was looking at the the age profile of the, the age profile of the starting pack, like the average age is under 27 of that starting pack. Um, there's two third-year-olds in the team. Jameson Gibson-Park, who was 30 earlier this year, and Sexton is 36. Um, and the rest of them, average age, again, under 27. Like, it's a team built to last. You had Joe McCarthy coming on, his second-year academy player, turned 21 last year, coming on for the last five minutes. Joe McCarthy in the academy has played in the Heineken Cup, quarterfinal, semifinal, and final. Like, he's a fairly good chance, I think, of going to uh, to tour New Zealand. I think, he's like a, I think he's a pretty good chance. I would say 60-40 at this stage. Um, you're going, as a second-year Leinster academy player who missed the guts of a year, a year basically with COVID. You know, not that he had COVID for a year, but like nobody played rugby for a year. Um, and like that that second row is, it's a position which, you know, essentially because we've had to play against that big bully, Will Skelton, for three out of the last four years, like a second row is like, the, the, the sort of has become like, this is Leicester's position of need. And then, you know, they're bringing in this, this big unit, Jason Jenkins uh, from from Monster. Jenkins had like a number, like a, I think three different sort of soft tissue injuries while with Monster, and, and never really got a long run of games. You know, he's often used as a substitute, but he's he is like a he's a big giant, and he doesn't look like he's not a lumbering giant. He just looks like a bigger human. You know, he's like 
he looks athletic and quick and he'll have to like Leinster Leinster's coaches improve players better than any other uh coaches in Ireland certainly and I would I would say better than any other coaches like most other coaches almost all coaches around the world like players make big improvements now so that's you have those two guys who you know whether you start like Jenkins for 50 minutes and bring on Joe McCarthy next year and you move James Ryan over to the left-hand side of second row your scrum gets better your line gets is the same and you just your mall gets better and you have more ball carrier yeah. Jenkins, Jenkins is a good ball carrier as jo- is Joe McCarthy Joe McCarthy's a good ball carrier and second rows just get better when they're older yeah like if you're a good second row when you're 25 you're going to be better when you're 26 and and then Ross Maloney's look, still He's, has made a big step up this made, year. He's still, he's still made it, yeah. And I think, when I think of Jenkins, I think of Quinn Rue, and I go, Quinn Rue got into Leinster as Brad Thorne was leaving. And it was an unfortunate comparison because he just looks so high and so sloppy compared to Thorne. But also, by the time he was leaving Connacht to go and play for uh, Toulon, you're Playing going, his best rugby. Jesus They'll really miss him. Like Ireland mm. will miss him. Yeah, he's he's an option here. He yeah. plays he plays well when he plays for Ireland. He's not good enough to get a starting place ahead of James Ryan or Hendo or Tyke Burn. Burn. But he would have been the fourth second row. He's not a massive weakness, mm. and he gives you something very different than anything else we have in Ireland. And then you also look at like Baird coming back in. Baird had like a scratchy season because of injury a lot. Like his last game before. The Munster game recently was uh, like starting for Ireland in the Six Nations against Italy and scoring a try. But then you have, if you have a second row core of Ryan, um, Jenkins, Maloney, McCarthy, then you're going, maybe Ryan Baird projects as a six. And all of a sudden, then you have like, you have a fucking really big team. If you have Ryan and Jenkins and Baird at six, you know, and then you're saying, oh, okay, well, maybe we play Doris at eight and Conan's our impact sub. Or maybe you go, we still play Doris and Conan, and then we can pick, like, we go with a 6-2 split. And you're saying that Joe McCarthy, Ryan Baird, and um, Scott Penny or Max Deegan are our subs. You go, And then you say, you know, Frawley's the 23 Play right Baird outside centre. Like, or oh, that's what I was thinking. Play Deacon and Baird as Rovers. I think it it does change your game though. Like if you get those guys into your pack, um, those kind of like what seems like incremental games. Like if you get enough of them, they accumulate. And like there was one, there was a stage very close to each other when Leinster were going to Sexton in the front line, but then mm-hmm. they were also playing off nine a bit. Where Reiner got the ball and he kind of lay down. Yeah, somebody, somebody. Ross Maloney did the same yeah. thing in front of Aldridge, and there going, second half. Yeah, what the hell is he doing that for? It looks like he's playing unopposed, and he's been told to set up a rook. Whereas you're thinking, like I, I down on it, <laughs> down on it. <laughs> <laughs> but Ryan Baird doesn't do that. Like Ryan Baird is going to take somebody on and just surprise them for pace. So like it, it does change your. It, like it changes the complexion of your team when you bring in guys like that. And like it doesn't bring that match back. But I think to I think to come back to it, had Leinster won, the story of the season is how good, how efficient Leinster are, how many of their players they produce from within, 
how good their second team is, how how sort of content and content sounds like you've settled for something, but like how willing the squad are to play for Leinster because mm-hmm. you'll get better. You'll you'll always be competitive. Like you'll always have a chance to be involved. It is a kind of like it's a sort of a meritocracy. Like there's there's a virtue in being picked for Leinster. There isn't there isn't a big name signing that you can't leave out well, for there, fear of yeah. you know, upsetting the board. Like it doesn't play well, get in the team. Jimmy O'Brien, Ross Maloney. You know, Tommy O'Brien got into team for the or got into the match day squad for the the game against uh, Leicester, basically on the back of how well he performed down in South Africa. You know, players get picked because they're playing well. They they pick on form. There's a lot. There's a lot to be satisfied. You're you're competing at the the sharp edge of both competitions every year, and you, if you play well, you get picked. John McCarthy, like he's he's as I said, he's 21. They could have gone with the 70 capped Dev Toner. They could have gone with Jack Dunn, who's older than them, two, three years older than them, and who's a, a big unit in his own right. They could have gone with Josh Murphy, who's played a lot this year, and they're going, no, this is the fella who we think is playing best, so we'll pick him. So next year, the final is in Dublin for the first time in 10 years, and before that, it was another nine or 11 years before that? No, 10. 10 years. So it was 2002, 2 3, and then 12 13, and now it'll be 22 23. Now, originally, this final was going, it was a, they were trying to get it into Hotspur Stadium, which I'd sort of like to see. Uh, it's an amazing stadium. But then on the other hand, like I, I was. Hotspur Stadium after Marseille in France, after Twickenham in England, after Ashton Gate in England, after James's Park in England, after Bilbao in Spain, after Murrayfield, after Lyon, after Twickenham. Yeah, so that's that's the EPCR finals. Like the ERC were very happy to turn to our Welsh hosts, and like everyone loved going to Ireland. It's a great place for a final. Um, but like since the EPCR have been in England, have had four finals. Jesus, no. Oh, yeah, England have had four, and they would have had a fifth if they'd got Hotspur. Like, they only dropped out of Hotspur Stadium for, like, really recently. That was the only reason Lanzan Road got it. And then France have had two. Bilbao won, and, and Murrayfield, Scotland won. So you had you made a good point to me about um, why they put them into places with big local pops. They have the quarterfinals, and then a week later... They have the semi-finals, and then two weeks later they have the final. So there's very little time to market the match, and very little time for basically people to get organised. And I know, like, so the weekend just gone was an incredible confluence of events where it wasn't meant to be in France, it wasn't meant to be in Marseille mm-hmm. this year. It was meant to be in Marseille last year or two years ago, two years ago, and Marseille got it. The Champions League final wasn't meant to be in Paris. It was meant to be in Moscow, St. Petersburg. St. Petersburg. The so, French Open was supposed to be Roland Garros. And I, I guess Monaco was meant to be... Well, Monaco was always going to be on this weekend, but yeah. I don't know where they're planning. I don't know if Monaco is always going to coincide with the... European Champions. European champ, You know, the, the European... The Champions Cup. Sorry, whatever. Like, not the, the rugby final. Not, yeah. Not, not the football <laughs> final. As it happened... And I, like Roland Garris, I'll be honest, 
I don't think Roland Garris brings an enormous crowd. It brings enormous wealth. As does Monaco. Like on the first weekend of people from England and Ireland. Jones, he's starting not. Let's go to Roland Garros. Uh, to watch like the army of racket players that we have. But it brings loads of people to watch the Grand Prix. Mm. And it brings loads of people to watch an English team who are like one of the two biggest supported teams in Ireland. So like if Man United were playing, maybe more people from Ireland go to watch. Maybe. Don't think so. But the top two is Man United mm. and Liverpool by a distance. And and obviously from England as well. <laughs> um, so it was really hard to get to Marseille. Um, it's hard to get anywhere from Dublin at the moment. Sorry, hard to get out of Dublin. Like there's tales of... So I got onto that from the short turnaround time. So if you're a tour operator, you say, we sell the tickets, we sell the package and we'll sort out all the logistics. Uh, they couldn't get... Tour operator couldn't get uh, a slot at a Dublin airport on the short notice. They're they're renting planes because of COVID. They're renting planes from like wherever they can find them. Bulgaria. Bulgaria was one yeah. of the ones I heard. Um, so you've got to get that combo of a slot and an aircraft in order to get people out. They couldn't. They had to go down to Shannon to fly them out. Yeah. So yeah, you have those challenges because of the the staging of the tournament, and there was a confluence of events. But if you have it in England or France, the chances are there'll be somebody there. But the definite is it's a huge population centre. So yeah. when I say the chances are that there'll be a domestic team in the final uh, if you're playing in England or if you're playing in France. More likely if you're yeah. playing in France. But if you're playing in England, there's an enormous amount of routes into London. And I know that one of them was up in Newcastle and you kind of go, that was weird. Like... It's not that easy to get to Newcastle. No. It's miles away from anywhere. Whereas if you host it in Twickenham, you can always get there. So you don't need to... And there's much bigger population centres. So people can just walk up and, and go to it. And it's a much smaller percentage of people that you need to fill the stadium than there is in a small population centre like Ireland or like in Scotland. So I think that's very important. But then the knock-on effect of that is... Yeah, I'd counter that. And like, um, not counter it, but the knock-on effect of it is, like, that essentially was, um, that was essentially a home game for La Rochelle. There's about 35,000 people there. Um, because you can just wake up in the morning. Like that's, That game wasn't sold out. You could wake up in the morning in La Rochelle, not even have to leave pretty early. And like... I know they're they're giving out previously. Rogers giving out about playing in Lons, uh, and now like oh, it's a seven hour journey to from La Rochelle to Marseille. You're going, yeah, but you can get up in the morning, get into your car at eight o'clock, like not even like have to leave early. Get same time you'd leave for work, drive down to Toulouse, have lunch in Toulouse for two hours, order your ticket on your phone, and then drive down to Marseille. And uh, and you'd be at the game, and like the idea that like a seven hour drive, and that's that's if you, if you own a, otherwise if you were like if you were a La Rochelle fan, you could just jump on one of their buses or right. jump on one of the one of the trains. Like it does have a knock on effect. I've been to see Leinster play a lot of times in France, and I don't go to them anymore because every single time we've gone, we've lost, and that's group stages, quarterfinals, semifinals. Um, 
And like, it's a hard, it is hard to get a win in France and it's hard to play your best. Well, talking about traveling around France, I went to see, I was in Biritz in the summer of 2007 and Biritz got to the semi-final in Bordeaux playing against uh, Stade Francais. And I said, well, I'm going to this. So there was two sort of supporters clubs in Biritz. There was uh, Les Amis de Bio. And there was Aupa Bayo. So you couldn't get a ticket with Lazy Me. And so I said, well, I'll get a ticket with Aupa. And Lazy Me, the deal was three o'clock. And at three o'clock, four buses turned up, all driven by rugby men. All Lazy Me get on. And they were all blokes in their 50s and 60s. They were all proper club men. All retired, because it's France. Well, <laughs> yeah. But all like you know, finished their thirty-five hour week, or if they weren't finished, they were just going anyway. And they all just got in their bus, and at five minutes past three, the four buses just went off like this. At this stage, like Aupa, their buses hadn't arrived, and they wouldn't arrive for another forty minutes. So I got on one of the buses when it eventually arrived with everyone else who was obviously, and it was just a big day out for the town. It was mm. like everyone was going, and I was sort of going, Jesus, this. Like I was putting two or two together going, these kind of rugby fans, but like not really. Like the there might be a few, but like the big thing is the whole town is going. Like it's a Friday. I'm not gonna be left here when there's no one else in, yeah. in, in Biritz. Like <laughs> all the stuff nothing, is shut. <laughs> everything's shut, you know, like no one's working here. Nothing's open. And that's how you get it. Like, so Lara, I I'd be really interested to know how many buses Lara Shell had gone down from the town. Mm. And I'd be interested how many of those were full of guys who, and I know it's a very well-supported club, wouldn't have gone to another two rugby matches that season. But you know, like we've said this before, that the place of, of rugby in France is is like, it's it's not like the place of rugby in Ireland. It's more, it's more a combination. Like it's, like in the South, I know La Rochelle's on in the South, but like it's the big sport. In the south, it is the big sport. It's bigger than soccer in the south, you know. Apart from maybe Marseille, actually, but uh, but like it's a big community sport. Uh, and it was like they, I, I saw some images and videos of the reception they got today, and like literally the whole town is out around the port. It looks fucking amazing. I think it's only fitting to to round up this. Uh talk about the European Cup with a quote from Greg Aldrich and it was given to uh, Thorny in the Irish Times so I'm just going to read it directly he's talking about uh, starting off rugby in Gere an area west of Toulouse um, he's talking about his brothers and he goes when, when you were in the southwest of France with the father who plays rugby you automatically go to rugby when you start sport when you were young I started rugby and met some incredible players and friends like Antoine Dupont, Anthony Gelonche, Pierre Bougarie, a reference to his current teammates in the national team, and in Hooker Bougarie, a player who will also be in the colours of La Rochelle this evening. He goes, Aldrich then goes, the Gere is really a territory or of rugby. When you start rugby in the Gere, they don't teach you how to do a pass or a kick or kick a ball. They teach you how to respect the jersey, respect the values of rugby, and this is most important for me. I started rugby at Ouch with Jalanche and Dupont. We are living a dream. To be with the French team is a dream, and to live the dream with my best friends, there are no words to put on that. And that stuff, like, I'm reminded of the Richie McCaw 
about just like playing rugby when you're a kid and like just understanding like respect the game and and Steve Hansen probably more than McCall like Steve Hansen in his typically taciturn but really kind of he, he comes across as like a funny sound guy but mm. like not a laugh a minute guy just just respect the game like you know who's going to win this one oh I might like team with the best set pieces same as every single <laughs> no, match has ever played the best forwards <laughs> <laughs> yeah god I love Hanson that reminds me of P-Shot big on the air uh, <laughs> This game taught me how to leave. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, I don't know. I find, I find that, um, like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of sort of sneering on Twitter of rugby values and stuff. But then you have guys like Aldridge, who's like at the absolute sharp end of the professional game, saying that McCall would have said the same thing, Hansen said the same thing. Like, it depends on on what you believe in yourself. You know, and, and like you see La Rochelle. La Rochelle have players from Argentina and... Um, Australia, don't forget him. <laughs> Samoa. And uh, Australia, New Zealand, uh, Fiji. Uh, but you see that they've all bought in. They've all bought in. When, like, I think bought in comes from poker. But they all believe in the value of the club. And what they're trying to do together. And it's like, it's, um, I wouldn't say I feel happy for them because I'd rather answer one, but I certainly don't begrudge them. Absolutely not. No, I, I, I think um, maybe the, might be belaboring the point. I think the, the top 14 is fascinating because it is the equivalent of the Premier League in rugby, but it's bound together by. Uh, <clears throat> A salary cap in that there are lots of mad rich people pouring their money into it but there's only so much money they can spend mm. on it and as a result there's sort of this like bubbling of between like probably nine or ten of the teams every year can get into the playoff systems and then a couple I, of them are getting hammered down I, the bottom i don't think it is the equivalent of the premier league i think it's the equivalent of the old first division I completely agree with the where, first division Sheffield Wednesday or Norwich Court make a challenge, or if you, if you or wind, Nottingham Forest, or if you wind it further, yeah, if you wind it further back, Forest or Villa mm. could win the league. They probably won't because Liverpool are deadly, and Liverpool are to lose, or certainly late seventies, early eighties, Liverpool are to lose. But could be any one of those teams, and I think that's that's the beauty of it. And you see, I watched the Challenge Cup final as well. Um, and I was so fucking up for Leon. <laughs> like, as much as I was up for Leinster, I was really, really fucking hate Toulon. And, and like, Toulon had knocked out Saracens playing in uh, Felix Mayall. I've been to the Felix Mayall a couple of times, and it is a febrile slash raucous atmosphere. And Toulon fans are a lot of pricks. They're some of the worst fans I've fucking met from anywhere. Um... So they got they played a great game. Welcome back there. Yeah, go fuck yourselves, Toulon. Um, And and I actually like the stadium as a thing. I like that crocodile shaped stand. But the uh, Toulon look amazing against Saracens. I was thinking, and they have a team full of like different like Etzebet and Parise, Ches and Kobe. Like it's it's trying to get back to the old Toulon of just like like illicitly breaking the salary cap and like fucking buying all the best players in the world. 
and Leon hearted the fuck out of the game. And like one running away with it, just a load of big-hearted lads, and they hadn't won anything since like 1932. And just thinking like, fucking 1932. Like when we were lads, like that was still long ago. That's 90 years ago now. It was and amazing. In the gastronomic capital of France, they'll all be two stone heavier by the time pre-season starts. <laughs> and they will enjoy every single uh, eat. Yeah, Tau Fafanua played for them. The two Tau Fafanua brothers Four stone saying, heavier. Oh, Jesus. Man, like Roman the second row went the full 80. He is like, like they, they play, they play like for their club. Um, big, real heart in their sleeve effort. They had a, they had a Georgian winger who picked up um, a Georgian winger. wrong if you get a Georgian winger. <laughs> he was fucking great. He's a nipper. And he picked up Etzebeth, literally picked him up, carried him back five metres and like fucking dumped him on his hole. And in the next one, Etzebeth came in with a filthy clear out, which like Austin Haley divides people and he brings a lot of, a lot of shit that he gets on himself. But he's like, oh, what a cheap shot. What a dirty cheap shot. He should be walking. It was it was great because like the camera couldn't pick it up because the two angles that the French guy showed like he was both completely hidden but he nailed your man your man had made a tackle and was lying with his back to Toulon and Nezabeth came in and fucking drilled him in the back of the head and neck but but bound but it was like he was already on the ground so like why hit him uh, and it, it was because he got dumped in his hole like 30 seconds before and your man was fucked. Like, he was wandering around and, like, they couldn't take him off. Well, that he wouldn't go off. But uh, it was, like, he, like, big heart, you know, and I was just, I was delighted for Leon to win. And let me just say it again, fuck Toulon. <laughs> I can't wait to play them in Dublin in the final next year. <laughs> <laughs> fucking hammered. T'as voulu voir Vierzon et on a vu Vierzon. T'as voulu voir Vesoul et on a vu Vesoul. T'as voulu voir Honfleur et on a vu Honfleur. T'as voulu voir Hambourg et on a vu Hambourg. J'ai voulu voir Anvers, on a revu Hambourg. J'ai voulu voir ta sœur et on a vu ta mère. Comme toujours. T'as plus aimé Vierzon, on a quitté Vierzon. T'as plus aimé Vesoul, on a quitté Vesoul. T'as plus aimé Honfleur, on a quitté Honfleur. T'as plus aimé Hambourg, on a quitté Hambourg. T'as voulu voir Anvers, on a vu que c'est Faubourg. T'as plus aimé ta mère, on a quitté ta sœur. Comme toujours Mais je te le dis Je n'irai pas plus loin Mais je te préviens J'irai pas à Paris D'ailleurs j'ai horreur de tous les flanflons De la valse musette et de l'accordéon T'as voulu voir Paris, on a vu Paris T'as voulu voir du torrent et on a vu du torrent j'ai voulu voir ta sœur, j'ai vu le Mont Valérien, t'as voulu voir Hortense, elle était dans le Cantal, je voulais voir Byzance et on a vu Pigalle à la gare Saint-Lazare, j'ai vu les fleurs du mal par hasard. T'as plus aimé Paris, on a quitté Paris. T'as plus aimé du torrent, on a quitté du torrent. Maintenant je confonds ta sœur et dans mon Valérien de ce que je sais d'Hortense, j'irai plus dans le Cantal et tant pis pour Byzance, puisque j'ai vu Pigalle et la gare Saint-Lazare, c'est cher et ça fait mal au hasard. Mais je te le redis, chauffe la scène, chauffe.
T'as voulu voir Vierzon et on a vu Vierzon T'as voulu voir Vesoul et on a vu Vesoul T'as voulu voir Honfleur et on a vu Honfleur T'as voulu voir Hambourg et on a vu Hambourg J'ai voulu voir Anvers, on a revu Hambourg J'ai voulu voir ta sœur et on a vu ta mère Comme toujours T'as plus aimé Vierzon, on a quitté Vierzon Chauffe, chauffe, chauffe T'as plus aimé Vesoul, on a quitté Vesoul T'as plus aimé Honfleur, on a quitté Honfleur, t'as plus aimé Hambourg, on a quitté Hambourg, t'as voulu voir en verre, on a vu que c'est faux pour t'as plus aimé ta mère, on a quitté sa sœur. Comme toujours, chauffez les gars, hey, hey, je te le redis, hey, je n'irai pas plus loin, mais je te préviens, j'irai pas à Paris, d'ailleurs j'ai horreur de tous les plans-plans de la valse musette et de l'accordéon.